I'm Terafitiroa Boss. I'm from Aotearoa, New Zealand. My iwi are Ngapuhi, Ngatikahu, Teopuri, and Terarawa, um, all from the far north of the North Island of New Zealand. And I'm a photographer amongst. I like to dabble, I do other things as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but primarily, I'm a photographer. And what was your first introduction into the world of photography? Um, oh, when I was a young fella. How old was I? Probably about, I don't know, maybe 14, 15, I was still at school. Um, I long-term borrowed my dad's little point-and-click camera and just started shooting it and started shooting more and more, finding out that I sort of liked it. And kind of when people saw my photos, they were like, whoa, those are like really, really good. So kind of, kind of fell into it and just, we've got this word called tutu back home. In, in our language of Māori and tutu is to sort of to play with something, to mess with something like, and through through playing with it that's how we learn so never never got taught but just through playing around sort of learnt what I like um, and photography and that sort of stuff I entered a one photo competition and won it and then my photo was on the front cover of our local paper which was like yeah, a big deal for a young fella and then, um, and then I, I think I can't remember if it was after I left school. No, before I left school, I um, I got asked to do the photos to to provide a whole bunch of photo backdrops for a wearable arts fashion show. So they had a whole lot of sections, like a harakeke flex section. Um, one section was the color orange. One section was like. Um, recycled art like trash to fashion sort of stuff another one was something like back to the future or something like that there, there are different sections and I so I, I got a pretty open brief and went away and made a whole lot of images and sort of bought them back and then ended up having these like back projected behind the runway at a, at a major you know fashion event which was pretty cool and kind of from there um, one of the judges, she was a lady who had a like a subdivision going on and, and she had like a beauty spa thing that she was starting up a business. And um, she came and hit me up and she was like, Hey, I want I want some of your images. Um, the the flex ones, the harakiki. Um, I want I want them for my branding and stuff and so that ended up being my first sale of images, art prints and um, I, I sold six images and got a laptop, <laughs> which is pretty cool for a young fella. You're just like, oh, wow, this is like a real thing. <laughs> and she used those, and it was real cool because it was in my hometown. And so I, I could see my images up in her branding and her shop front window and her business cards and stuff like that. So I, I saw that, you know, my art, these were just things that I was making for me. I wasn't making it for anyone else, but... Um, that it sort of went somewhere. It really, she really responded to it, and and it became, you know, the visual identity for her whole company and stuff. So, 
Yeah, I've got to thank her for that first first sale and showing me, man, this can be a legit business. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and and it also started me on on this thing of as I make money from from my works, then I invest it directly back into getting you know good gear and good business, you know, getting getting my business in in check. Um, to the point where, like now, I've downsized all my gear. I've got rid of now. Now I just roll with two lenses, one camera body, no flash, and um, yeah, and that's that's how I roll. Scouting through the nation, looking for its next victim to corrupt with leads of greed. From the streets of rage, a new generation cornered into the dark side. Call it a menace, but to them it's life forever. Survival, the world society's enforced upon them. Who will be It's interesting that you started kind of um, in a marketing aspect, almost like that was your first break, but mm. you're doing a lot more kind of like um, photojournalism right now and how did you how did you make that transition into um, working more in in that way I think for me my f my journey with photography has been a real varied one like I when people ask me what I like to shoot I like to shoot people like I like to take photos of people I like to capture the beauty of people in all our different shapes and forms so I've never really, I haven't been uh, pigeonholed into any type of photography. Um, like one of the ways I like to describe is um, people, performance and place. So I shoot all different types of people. And like at our family events, when I was a young fella, at our family events, I used to shoot. And so we've got really good records of all our family events <laughs> since I s started shooting. Um, and you know, capturing the magic of, of families and the food and everyone coming together and all the different relationships of cousins and aunties and uncles and grandmas and stuff. So that's, you know, I've got a real strong base in that sort of photography. And you know, like once people know you're good and once once they know you take care of them through through your images, through how I portray, you know, and capture my, my family and stuff, then they're comfortable, then you can get anywhere. So I do a lot of that and I do that for other people's families and stuff and so when I shoot weddings I also end up capturing all of the family, the grandparents that you know or, or the cousins from Australia who never come back to New Zealand, those sorts of things so for me it's about capturing that moment and capturing people as we are you know naturally in our, in our own beauty so there's that side um, performance throughout the years I've shot lots of music gigs um, like music festivals so big performances ones like at, at WOMAD World of Music Arts and Dance um, down in Taranaki a few years in a row Parihaka Peace Festival Sound Splash um, even just like different music gigs and stuff like that so I love the challenge and the art of shooting under lights um, and shooting shooting the bands and capturing the magic of, of performing artists you know when they get up there they're giving, they're giving their all, they're giving their energy and stuff like that and sort of capturing that and being able to put, portray that in images. Um, theatre, shot a lot of theatre and, and especially Māori theatre. Um, so there's that sort of performance side. And then place, I wouldn't say I'm a landscape photographer, like I can shoot landscapes, but it's not the thing that excites me. But when I talk about place, I'm more talking about... Um, 
capturing the beauty of our place, like of, of home back in Aotearoa. Aotearoa is so beautiful. And I love sort of, like that's, that's the way I get my zen, you know, just go out in the bush and, and take photos of, of what I see of the beauty. And more often than not, I'm looking close rather than far away. Like I shot a whole lot of kind of macro stuff. There wasn't macro, but you know, that, that sort of stuff. And working with light as it comes through the, the canopy of the forest and hits and makes different leaves pop and things like that. All our birds, our native birds um, in Aotearoa. So there's this kind of like people performance place. Um, and so that's, that's sort of worked out in terms of the art. Like I like capturing that. And then I like sharing it with people. Like um, I'm not shooting for any commercial sort of reason but sometimes my photos get used for that sort of thing mm-hmm. so that's kind of my art um, one of the projects that I've been um, that I started before I left home um, and I'll continue when I go home is um, shooting with our old people with our komato and kuia and so it's not just going and shooting a portrait but when I, when I go and see our, our old people I'll go and sit with them so we for a day or two days or whatever um, and what I'm wanting to do, or what I've started doing, is um, having interviews with them, asking them about their lives, about their favourite memories, you know, a past-focused question, your favourite memories, what was it like growing up, um, about present, about what do they think about what's going on in the world now, and then about future, you know, like, if they had one piece of advice to give to their mokopuna, what would it be, to their grandchildren, what would it be, and then shooting honest, real portraits of them, so not getting them to put on any makeup, not getting them to pull out their 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 korowa and their moko, you know, that, that sort of sensationalised, romanticised image of the perfect Māori or the perfect native, but getting us as we are, getting our old people and the beauty of our old people, because too much in, in sort of modern society, we're pushing our old people to the side, kind of out of sight, out of mind. They're no good in this um, in this workplace anymore, so they've used passed their use-by date, so we'll push them to the side. Whereas in our culture, in our traditional culture, they're, they're a fundamental part of our community. They're the ones who guide us, they're the ones who who sort of give us direction and stuff. And so I kind of want to bring that back into focus, bring that into people's minds. And so as I've been shooting, I, I had an exhibition before I left home, um, as I've been shooting and giving the families the, the photos, just seeing the... the the power of that one image, um, and especially when when some of my own komato and, and kuya have passed away, having those photos at their tangi, um, when people come in the door and they're seeing their mate or their their papa or their uncle or their grandfather, just the power of that, and it's a real true representation of them and their beauty with all their wrinkles because wrinkles are beautiful <laughs> you know like each wrinkle's a story I look at my pop I look at my kuro and, and each wrinkle I see around his eyes you know they're, they're signs of a thousand smiles and every time he smiles he gets another one so yeah that's a real special thing so I've shot all those different things and and then also because I'm involved in different kaupapa and different uh, causes or different things when events go on or like really important events like up on Mauna Kea and stuff um, then I do shoot in a 
in a kind of doco style um, because I think it's important to communicate what's happening um, because if I'm there I can be used as a tool to, to share what's happening with people that, that can't be there physically but they can get there or they can get the feeling of what it was like there they can see what was happening there um, through my images so that's I find that really important and kind of like bouncing off that to give a good bit of context why I'm in New Mexico at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, can you <laughs> break down what you're doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so right now I'm in New Mexico, <laughs> kicking with my homies here. But um, back in May, oh, rewind back a little bit, um, about a year before last May I said to my boss, hey boss, next year after my next birthday I want to go overseas for a year, I want to I wanna go. And um, this, this was actually something that, that my, my ex-wahine, she said, you, ne- you need to get out, you need to go, you need to go and find out what you want to do, you need to do things for you. Because back home, I'm involved in a whole lot of different kaupapa, and I'm always 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 doing things for other people, but not necessarily doing too well at looking after myself. So that's kind of like a bit of a backstory and gives a bit of context for why I actually came came to the point of going okay now I'm going to do this and um, over the years I've been really really lucky to to build really good relationships with people all over the world natives all over the world and creative natives all over the world so it's been um, awesome as I've traveled so I left in May came up through the Pacific and through um, Cook Islands and was involved in all the Kaupapa Waka down there the double hold traditional voyaging canoes there's a big um, waka festival down there Te Manawa Waka from there went to Hawaii and um, was jamming against, again with the Ohana Waka down there and with the Makali'i whānau, Kuika Waka and yeah, those those whānau down there and then ended up on the Mauna for Mauna Kea and then from there up to Alaska, down to Seattle, out to Vancouver, Vancouver Island, met some awesome people out of, you know, like um, just follow Joe Martin, a master carver out in Tofino from the Tolokwiat um, people ended up painting a, a canoe that he just carved out of a giant red cedar. It was just, you know, out of it, experience. And then from there, travelled across the top of the States, went, went to Montana for the Crow Fair, um, shot that, and, and stayed with a mate of mine and his family. Um, and then from there to New York, over to Netherlands to sort of reach into a part of my my whanau, my great my grandfather's from Netherlands and him and my great-grandfather and great-grandmother they came over after the war to sort of filled out stories over there and then went down to Morocco for a bit of an adventure with my cousin uh, ended up on a camel in the Sahara which is <laughs> out of his stuff that I never thought I'd do you know and then came back via Iceland and went and hung out with some icebergs and some geysers um, and then back to the States to New York again and and then down to California and now in New Mexico. And so from here, I moved down through Mexico, Cuba, into Peru, into the Amazon, um, and, and Brazil, and then out to the coast of Brazil, to Rio, and down through there, and then jump over to Chile, and then back home through the Pacific, um, through Rapa Nui, through Tahitian Islands, then to Cook Islands, and back through Hawaii, back home. And um, so this, this trip, um, has been for me a lot about connecting, um, reconnecting with people that I already know or that I already met, um, 
but also really connecting with the cultures of the places that I go um, and coming from a from Dal Māori, from a Māori worldview, from you know growing up as Māori, it means I can connect in a really different way and in a deeper way with whatever community I end up in, and um, and it's been awesome because the more I travel, the the more different places I go, the more different peoples I see, the more I realise we're all the same. We've got shared values, um, we've got you know shared things that are important to us and ways that we roll. Um, that sometimes might be expressed differently, but at the at the root root of it is the same. Which meant, while I was up in the village up in Minto, cutting up a moose, for for a big feast with all the uncles and the cousins, it just felt like I was at home, cutting up all the meat for hangi with all the uncles and the cousins. And it was it was the same thing. And then when I was over in Crow Fair hanging out with the with the crow cousins up there, and they were teasing and joking around just felt like I was at home because we do the same thing you know we roll in the same ways and and that's been magic just just kicking around our our world like it's a big world but it's also a small world and um and also a lot of the people that we know are, are also know other people that we know like it's really really connected especially in the native world especially in the arts world um and so it's been a magic magic journey because of that How did you decide to do this journey and how did you mentally prepare, monetarily prepare, physically prepare? This is a huge kind of life-changing journey you're on. Can you can you talk about your preparations? Yeah, it's definitely a huge life-changing journey um, and it, at different times in the journey uh, I've often felt like it's been kind of like that Motorcycle Diaries movie and you know, like I, I have moments to reflect and I'm like, man, I'm meeting these amazing people being involved in crazy huge events, like massive events. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's been massive. So my preparation, like I said, it's been a few years in the making. So starting to mentally prepare and kind of was a really big thing, letting go of everything that I'm responsible for um, back home like I really love my job back home I love the people I work with I love all the, the rangatahi I work with um, rangatahi Māori Māori youth um, all over the country and, and with an awesome team of, of youth mentors tuakana all over the country so there's a lot back at home um, that that could hold me there or that you know that I'm really connected to and I'm really committed to and and responsible for you know like as as a young fella growing up always being responsible for for looking after my cousins my little bro um yeah like yeah everyone um so that was a really big big thing going okay i can let that go and i can go and do this thing that i really need to do another big thing was um sort of growing up in like really feeling I had to prove myself or really feeling like I had to really work hard and there was, there was a lot of sort of 
self-worth wrapped up in what I do. So I felt like I was a good person because of what I did, because of the kaupapa I was involved with, because of um, how I am committed to caring for other people and helping other people and stuff like that. And I didn't feel like I was good enough just being me. Just, you know, not te rafutiro, the photographer, or te rafutiro, the youth development worker, or te rafutiro, any any of those things. But just being me. And um, and really got a big ups. Um, Taupunako here, my, my ex-wahine. She was like, <laughs> you know, you are good enough just being you not doing anything else, just being you. And so that is a massive, massive driver for why I'm doing this. As I travel now, pretty much like I feel like I'm on the flow and I just book my ticket and I get to a place and then everything falls into place from there. And I just be me. You know, like I engage with, with, with my mates, I engage with different arts projects. I do my photography, I, I, I work you know, I help help with youth work projects where I keynote at different events and stuff. I'm still doing that sort of stuff, but kind of doing it on my terms. And I'm not doing it anymore because I think I should do it or because I feel obliged to do it, but I'm doing it from a different place. And so that's a really massive learning. So that's kind of like the mental and heart uh, preparation. Financially, I saved for like two years, sold my car, sold everything else packed everything into a little box <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that's how I'm getting around um, so I was working two jobs I was working um, with Dahoturo with Toimata Foundation and that was you know that was like my day job and then on the weekends and stuff I'd do photography jobs and you know like shoot weddings or shoot um, commissions or contract work or, you know stuff like that so I took a lot of saving and I was pretty hardcore I'm pretty hardcore when it comes to saving and I'm, I'm loving that I did that because now I, I, I go where I want to go and I go where I need to go or where I'm invited um, to go by different people. Um, and that's pretty, it's pretty cool to be able to do that. Um, Health-wise, um, because, <laughs> because throughout the years I work myself to the bone and even when I'm sick I keep working and keep driving and that was all wrapped up in that sort of self-worth by what I do, not by who I am. Um, and I'm not very good at going to sleep early. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> um, so that, that's still a challenge for me. Um, because I knew you have to be fit to do this. You have to have a good base sort of resilience um, to, to be able to travel like this. Like I'm constantly on the move. I'm constantly like in different environments. Like from the desert in Morocco where I'm like 42 degrees... Um, to freezing cold up in Iceland and getting rained on by sideways rain, photographing icebergs. Um, you know, like, there's such a... Yeah, my, my body, I'm really grateful for my body is getting me through all this. I do need to take more care of myself. I do need to take rest more. And that's a challenge that, you know, I want to I wanna have nailed by the end of this trip. Um, and then spiritually, our wairua... Um, I'm really, really grateful that I've grown up with a strong base in, in my ao Māori, so a strong base in my culture and who I am. And I'm really grateful for, 
like my mum and, and a lot of the people that I know that I was able to to prepare uh, for this trip in a proper way through Pure and through Tohi Pure to purify and Tohi is like a dedication to dedicate you to a certain thing to a certain task and so I've, I've got really good friends that were able to to help with those ceremonies to help with that preparation and I truly feel that that's what set everything in motion because on leaving like the day I left my intention was really clear like I'm going I'm going to be guided I'm going to be looked after and, and so far that's that's all that I've seen that I turn up in a place and someone introduces me to someone who happens to be this amazing person that I was meant to meet there and, and end up at these events it's, it's crazy just how amazing things have been and how amazing this world is like I know there's a whole lot of shit going on in this world and I know there's a whole lot of corruption and bad stuff but all I've seen as I've travelled around is beautiful people beautiful people who are committed to creating a beautiful future who are committed to helping our our people you know rise up and really stand up in a really strong way um, mm. and so it's, it's been a blessed journey it really has and so through my photography I've been capturing that uh, you know shooting portraits of people that I'm with or, or different events that I go to and sharing that with the whanau back home um, before I left I had a big photo exhibition slash birthday party slash leaving party <laughs> which is awesome <laughs> and heaps of the whanau turned up and oh man my heart I was I was so happy like some of the whanau drove like my, my great grand aunt my great grand aunts and, and um, whanau from right up north they drove like 10 hours to come down um, to this party but anyway I showed a lot of the works a lot of the, the threads of work that I've been doing that I've been building like collections of um, the kaupapa waka the, the voyaging waka um, voyaging canoes um, my work with Komatsu and Kuiya so all the portraits of, of our elders and then the taiao work the, um, the photos of our environment back home um, so I showed all of those I sent all the Komatsu and Kuiya photos back with the families and that was a massive feeling to, to have them come down on you know on that night and um, to all celebrate together to see all that beauty together and then to send to send my my great aunt home with a photo of her brother who had just recently passed away or mm. to send um, yeah oh, it was beautiful and and seeing how how these people were all holding on to those photos as they walked out the door you know really caressing these photos um, and knowing that um, you know, all these photos will be on everyone's walls, you know, from now on. And um, so at that at that exhibition, at that party, it was also a time for me to kind of state my intention for this journey. And to also say that, you know, this, this journey isn't a journey for me alone, but it's a journey for me with, with all my whanau. So it's been cool, like I've been sharing... Um, photos as I go, you know, telling people where I am and different things that are happening, kind of giving everyone a window into all these different worlds um, that I'm going into. And I've been really surprised with how many people are actually following the journey, um, 
had messages from random people that I didn't even think would even be interested in. They're like, man, been following your journey. It feels like you're taking us with you. Like, awesome. And, you know, mum's telling me about her mates, ringing her up and going, oh, did you see Tadaftiros and da-da-da? She's like, how did you know that? <laughs> oh, I saw it on the Instagram or the Facebook. And, you know, that sort of stuff's tripping me out. But, um, but that sort of goes with that intention I was clear I'm going on this journey and because it's a, it's a privilege like yeah. it's, it's a privilege not everyone gets to do something like this mm-hmm. but as I go I'm taking everyone with me consciously and so I've been sharing um, sharing all these photos and stuff like that and so it's really cool to know that it's kind of working and, and lots of people are feeling like they're coming on the journey with me. <laughs> Some of my cousins are like, you bastard, You're just making us jealous. <laughs> but other than that, they, they, they're still loving, they're still following. I want to talk about um, like particular aspects of your journey and particularly that you landed up on the Big Island um, and linked in with a huge movement that was happening for the indigenous people of Hawaii regarding Mauna Kea. And can you talk about that experience and how how you stood in solidarity with them as a Maori person coming mm. into that culture, kind of like a cousin mm. culture, you know, and what what that experience was like to document and mm. to be a part of. Yeah, well, we're definitely cousins and we definitely stand together. Um, so yeah, I ended up on Moku Okeawe, um, on the big island with the with the fun with all the makali'i fun and really involved in you know in in reviving all those traditions the voyager traditions but not only like for for them when they're doing it it's not just going out and sailing on a waka but it's everything to do with waka everything to do from from the mountains to the sea and so being involved with that whanau and kind of on the on the way there i think i can't remember if it was before i left or while i was in rarotonga I started seeing that first set of I saw those first set of arrests um, when when the whanau were standing against this, the construction of this TMT the 30 meter telescope, which by the way wants to blow up like the the peak of the Maungatapu of of Mauna Kea, the sacred mountain, and build an 18 story high and two story deep massive as telescope. Telescope is not the problem. Astronomy is not the problem. Like our peoples all across the Pacific are really connected to the stars, the histories of the stars, the stories, and using those as wayfinding tools to to travel all over the Pacific. So that's not the problem. It's the location that these 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 corporations that the corporates want to put this telescope. <coughs> that's a total desecration. So anyway, I think while I was in Rarotonga, I saw the first stand that the kanaka, that our kazis made against um, the construction of this TMT and, and a whole lot of people got arrested. Um, so my awareness, like I was aware something was happening up there and then while I was in Hawaii I was, I was kicking with all the whanau there who were also all involved. So that was really clear in my awareness there what was going on and it turned out 
like um, we we ended up going up for the solstice. Um, we went up to do our our karakia, um, along with a whole lot of the ohana waka, and that was beautiful. And that was a couple of days before. It must have been about the twenty second or twenty first, twenty second. I'm not. I can't quite remember. Um, so we went up. We went up to the Mona and um, did all the karakia and stuff there, and celebrating the solstice. And we also connected in with with the Fano who were standing up there. Who 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 have been up on the Monga since, and we're up to day two hundred and something now, two hundred and twenty something, I think. I can't even remember. But they've been up there solid that whole time, and so we were talking to them about what was going on, and and hearing that that the um, the TMT work crews were gonna there was gonna be some movement soon, and so there was gonna be some action, and we had to make a stand. So, um, oh, as well as that. Um, we went over and hung out with, with the bro Hualalai who was building a, another waka um, for, I think it was for a community group down in um, down in one of the towns and stuff. So we got to go and, you know, put our hands on and help help build this little waka. Can you explain what that is for <coughs> people who might not know? Oh, yeah, like, so a waka or a waka or a va'a um, is, a, is a traditional canoe. And so these ones were like smaller canoes for sailing around around the islands the the canoes that I've sailed on uh, are the larger voyaging canoes Waka Moana or Waka Moana that sail all over the Pacific um, so there's throughout the Pacific we have a really strong uh, voyaging culture a culture that's um, in a really strong uh, revival at the moment and, and now we've got really strong connections throughout the Pacific and all of these Pacific Islands are starting to really pick up and 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 grow the the wakafano, grow young sailors, grow you know new captains, teach learn um, navigation, traditional navigation and stuff. It's a beautiful movement, and so it's a beautiful whānau that I that I feel really privileged to be connected to, which means I can go to any island um, throughout the Pacific and and have whānau there. It's really cool. So anyway, we ended up. Now I'm seeing Hualalai who was building this waka and he's he's also really connected up on the moment. So he was talking about what was happening and so in the lead up to I think it was Wednesday twenty fourth, I think that was the big day. Um in the lead up we heard something was gonna happen and then we heard it was on that day. So um I was staying with a good mate of mine, uh Ola Nick Ma. He's from Aotearoa Um Nick and Kelly and their their whanau. Um and we decided we were going to go up um, that morning. So we got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and boosted up in the darkness to, to pick up Pōmai and, and the rest of the whānau. We met them up there and we all rolled up the maunga um, before dawn. And um, we got there in time for... They, they had a big uh, karakia, um, a big sort of prayer circle um, with all everyone who was sort of standing up there in solidarity um, where the... Where the Kayarahi, where the sort of leaders of of that stand, were reminding people to stay in Kapu Aloha, and the, you know to hold that peaceful resistance, um, yeah, to stay in Aloha, and also to give people an idea of what was going to happen that day, where the stand was to be made, and where we needed to, you know, to step back or to to keep walking. <clears throat> and so there was a plan about what was going to happen, and there was going to be roadblocks the whole way up this up the Maunga. And we were all ready, and we were we were there, um, and so Nick, me, and um, Auntie Mere, 
who are the three Māoris that I that I that I saw. We were the three Māori on the Maunga. But it wasn't again, it wasn't just us standing up there with, with our Hawaiian cousins. Like I'd had texts and Facebook messages and, and emails and stuff from all the all the homies back home. Everyone like everyone back in Aotearoa was standing with our with our Hawaiian cousins. So we were there not just for ourselves but for, for all our whanau back home. So we would we were flying our flag high, tanga flag high. Um and we were yeah, standing there in solidarity with our cousins. So the day unfolded, um, yeah, early in the morning, there's this massive convoy came up. And so we were all down by the, down by the crosswalk, down the bottom. And if you've seen anything, look up hashtag Maunakea um, and, and you'll see lots of, lots of connections with the crosswalk because the crosswalk down there was our legal way to block cars. So you're not allowed to block the road, but if you're walking across the crosswalk, then they can't remove you <laughs> and they can't arrest you. So loophole. the crosswalk, yeah, there's, there's your legal loophole. And um, so it's a really, it was a real pivotal sort of gateway. Anyway, so all the fun over there, um, Komatua, like elders, and down to the keiki, to the tamariki, to the little kids, um, like wahine tane. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful seeing such solidarity and so many people there all in Kapualoha. It was massive. And then on the other side, there was this convoy, looked like a convoy of tanks, a whole lot of big big trucks and SUVs and stuff, all filled with the cops. And I was, I was really sad to see that because all the cops, they were all Kanaka as well, or, or Samoan, or, you know, like, they were all Pacific. Um, there was very few Pākehā um, holy cops there. And there was the two types of cops. There was the, the state cops and the, um, the county cops. And they were all there basically as enforcers for the TMT construction crew. So they were there to make sure the TMT construction crew got through, which is kind of funny because the DLNR, the Department of Land and Natural Resources, their mandate is to protect and care for <laughs> Hawaii's national treasures <laughs> and Mauna Kea especially. And um, one of my favorite quotes from the day was Kaho Kahi. He was saying, it's okay, man, we'll do your job for you. We'll do it for free even. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so yes. all these people were there standing to protect the maunga and the cops were on the other side trying to get us out of the way so that these guys could go up and desecrate the maunga. And um, so they turned up and they turned up in force. <laughs> There's this long convoy of, of all these trucks and then at the back were all the construction crews and stuff. Anyway, we held them at the at the gate, and and I, I must say the the county police, um, they were really respectful. Um, they came and they met with the with the leaders of the of the movement and stuff like that, and they were really respectful, and they didn't want to arrest anyone, and they ended up only arresting one one of the uncles, who who said, "No, nah, this is my stand. You, I'm not going to move unless you arrest me." So you're going to have to arrest me. So he was the first arrest of the day um, by the county cops and they only had jurisdiction up to the end of the of the um, sealed road before the gravel road after that was the LNR. <laughs> so we held them down on that on that sealed road for hours. So I think I think it was like three or four hours I think they'd made it 300 metres up the road. Um, <laughs> at the crosswalk we let one truck through <laughs> And then blocked it again, and then one truck through, and then blocked it again. 
it, yeah, it was a strong stand. And so my role in that, what was my role in that? Just being there as a Māori in solidarity with our cousins, standing with them. Yeah, just because there's people of the Pacific and there's tangata Māori, kanaka Māori, we're the same, we're, we're the same. And you were photo-documenting this whole process? Yeah, so throughout the years through different movements and stuff, protest movements and, you know, standing standing for different kaupapa, I've often thought about what's my role in this? Am I one who will stand on the front line and be arrested, you know, to, to make a point, to make a statement? Or am I, you know, one who, you know, like there's, there's all these different roles that we have um, in these movements and I've often thought about what my role is. And over the years, as I've sort of, I don't know, matured in my thinking or whatever, I've I've really seen that you know my role is to, to be there and share the story, to show, what's happening through my eyes, and so, you know, to use my skills as a photographer, and also one who understands, how we work as people, so I can get right in there, standing right next to the cops or right in the in the moment of arrest. Um, and capture that moment and capture the emotion of the moment and capture what's happening, capture the intention and share that with people so that other people can, can feel they're there. So from the karaki at dawn until we left the maunga um, that, that afternoon, that evening, um, I was shooting. Um, so I was shooting on my camera and I was also shooting on my phone and live live updating to, to Instagram and Facebook and Tumblr and stuff like that so people could see real time. And I was there for like most of the arrests as as we moved up the Maunga. Yeah, and uh, basically documenting the whole day. One, so that the world saw what happened that day. Two, so that people could see, like, uh, it's really important for me that there's, there's those of us that were up on the Maunga on that day, but then there's also all of those people all across the world that would be there if they could. They would be there standing, and so this gave them a way to be there in their hearts and to be there um, in solidarity, um, but also to see what was going on because I truly believe, you know, in, in five years and ten years, we're going to be looking back at this and going, man, that stand was made, and and we did it. Like, I believe it's, you know, we're going to be able to protect this maunga, and it's more than just the maunga. Um, for our Hawaiian kazis, this is a stand in Tinoranga Tiratanga. This is a stand in self determination. Um, and so, one, it's a record of this of this time. I really look forward to in 10 and 15 years looking back at these photos, looking back at, at, at the people who were, you know, who were taking a stand, who were taking lead in this, Kaho Kahi in them, Hualala in them, Kuuipo, you know, like all of these fellas who were. Um, who were pivotal in this, Auntie Pua and Motua Earl and yeah, all of those fellas and looking back and going, man, these were the people and we were there, you know, like, mm. and, and we were there in, in solidarity. Um, another thing that I that I really enjoyed um, capturing and sharing and something that, I, that really stood out from that day was how our Hawaiian whanau um, were working. You know, there was this, there was this young crew of leadership um, coming through, who were solid in their language and culture, who were solid in um, 
what they were standing for, who were solid in the knowledge about the maunga, who were solid in the legal side of it as well, and uh, you know, and the rules that they were standing for, and so they were like, they knew how to play both sides of the game. Uh, we've got a saying back home, kera kate matau, kera kate Maui, you know, to talk, talking about your use of weaponry, if you you want to be able to use lead off your right and lead off your left, but it's you know for us we talk about with our language to be proficient in our real Maori and our old Maori to be proficient in Te Pakia and in our English language and in, in the sort of Western worldview, and these guys had it on lock. So this young generation, but standing right at their backs, was all our, our uncles and aunties, uh, Auntie Pua and them and Matua uh, Walter and them. yeah, you know like they were all there, right right next to these to our cousins. and that was really beautiful to see that sort of that um, cross-generational intergenerational um, support and guidance and um, and so much respect between between those generations and so much aloha so much love between yeah it was massive to see really really inspiring and kind of bodes well for the future of of Hawaii as a as a sovereign nation as as an island, you know, as a group of islands in the Pacific, and um, yes, I'm really excited to see how the next few years um, pan out, and I'm grateful that I was able to be there to be able to support our cousins, you know, in my way, in my my way, and uh, you know, to share those photos, and they were shared all over the world, and um, communicated that that um, that stand all over the world, and I don't. And I don't say communicated that struggle all over the world. It was a stand in, in solidarity. It was a stand for the maunga. And, um, yeah, and we pushed them back. <laughs> all those, that, that big convoy of trucks turned around at the end of the day. They couldn't go any further. I think they made it about one mile up the seven-mile road. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and also the maunga, you know, had its own stand as well because as soon as the arrest started happening, um, the kohu, the mist, came in, blanketed the maunga. As soon as the arrest started happening and as soon as they turned around and started going back down the hill, the mist cleared. You know, so the so the tupuna were there, the, the maunga were there, the atua was, were there and um, yeah, it, was a, it was a powerful day and um, so we pushed them back. And and our cousin is still standing there on the moga. So when you're done with this journey, what? Um, what do you hope the outcome will be for you personally and um, maybe on a larger societal scale in your community and globally perhaps? Are you going to have a large show? Are you going to put together a book or a blog or do you even know yet? Yeah, excellent (laughs) question. So this is a massive epic journey and um, by the end of it I hope I'm more grounded in myself um, yeah, so so there's that sort of self and that self worth and that um, being grounded in who I am and what I stand for, my direction, and that you know a lot of that 
that's that's kind of where I reflect, and it feels like kind of like motorcycle diaries. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like you know those those events and those people that come into your life that really shape you, um, and shape who I'm going to be, you know, for the for the next stage of my life. So that's kind of like a self thing. And it's hard because you're in the middle of it right now, so you can't really see no. what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but there's a lot to be said about intention there, so. There's that for myself. Um, in terms of community, like, man, this generation especially, um, we move, we travel, and we really connect. And um, so community, there's like my local community, like the people I see every day and stuff like that. There's my whanau who are all over Aotearoa and my mates who are all over Aotearoa. So there's the sort of... Aotearoa community and then there's our global community like I totally feel connected with you know people beautiful people all over the world so anything that I do is connected to all those people um, and this journey is we, we call it the kūmiri ngāho like um, keeping those threads those connections warm and how important that is you know, for me, and also, you know, for us as a, as a sort of wider community, as I travel, I'm telling stories, as I, as I travel, I'm telling, you know, the people here about what was happening with the people in the last place I visited, or the last four places I visited, so kind of, in a way, I'm kind of like a cross-pollinator, like a, like a bee, you know, like taking... <laughs> in Indigibee. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so there's that, that sort of aspect, and again through my photography you know like um, sharing with people here what I did or you know things that have happened in the in the last places so that's that's happening now you know it's not a sort of like when I get to the end of it thing it's, it's happening now and it's happening for, for everyone back home as well and I feel that and um, I mean in terms of actually showing the works like I'm, I'm shooting thousands of images thousands as I go, and I'm pretty ruthless at culling my images too, but I've still got thousands of images from this trip, and um, and by the end of it, you know, I would have been in places like I'm so grateful. <laughs> like I'm gonna be going right into the Amazon to kick it with um, one of my mates' mates, Swalatashka, and his community, way up in the Amazon. And it's like it's not every day you get to go and hang out in the Amazon, and I'm gonna be able to get there, and it's gonna be a real opportunity. So. You know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be shooting there um, for for Tashka and for his community, but also for my whanau back home to give them an insight into what life is like in a village, like in an indigenous village way up in the Amazon. So I'm gonna have a whole very varied range of um, photos from all over this <laughs> this beautiful crazy world of ours. So I'm kind of not quite sure about how I'm gonna show that. You know, like I've got enough already in four months into my 12 month journey I've already got enough for a few books um, and when I get back kind of like the like the event that I had the exhibition that I had before I left kind of to set the intention I'm going to have an event and an exhibition probably a, probably a longer standing exhibition um, when I go back and that's bringing it home you know like like this bird is flown out to the world and this is this is what I'm bringing back um, to my 
to my whānau, to my community back home. So definitely there will be a show. I have no idea how I'm going to select what I'm going to show there. But it'll be a chance for me to, to sort of bring back some of these threads to, to Aotearoa and to share with, with my, my whānau community back there. Another real awesome thing, like I, I rang up my, my koro, my grandfather. Um, I rang him up from somewhere in the middle of the night in, in Iceland and um, I told him, oh, pop, like I've hardly ever stayed in, like the first hotel I stayed in or like hostel I stayed in was in Morocco and that was like nearly four months into the journey. I've been staying with all these amazing, amazing people, like my my mates or people I knew or other 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 people say, oh, you, you're going there, you, you got to meet this person, oh, you got to stay with this person, and then, you know, oh, you got to stay with the next person, so, like, I've been blessed on this journey, and so I've been staying with all these people, and so I said to my pop, so pop, when I come home, I'm going to have heaps of visitors for the next, like, 10, <laughs> 20 years, <laughs> like, all these people that I stay with, you know, like, you, you make those connections with people, and you say, oh, sweet, well, there's a bed for you at my place. And um, so over the next next however many years, I'm gonna have all all you guys coming and staying at my house, and my pop, like it was kind of like a whoa moment. My pop said, you know, that's that's awesome. He was really really genuinely happy, and he said that's awesome because you're going out there into the world, you're having all these amazing experiences, you're meeting all these amazing people, and you and you're gonna bring them all back to us to share with us. And so anyone that comes and stays with me, we're going over to Koro's place to, for, for dinner, you know, and talk story with Koro because he's, he's down like that. Um, but, you know, it really made me realize how much, you know, going out into this world, yeah, all these experiences that are shaping me as a person, but actually how much I can bring home. Um, and it'll be, it, it enriches my life. You know, as me, as Tarafiro, and enriches my family and my community, um, as all these amazing people from all over the world, you know, come and stay. But it also means that anybody who comes and stays also has a really rich experience because they're connecting with our culture, with our people, and with our land back home. So this is a like a, you know, this this a lifetime thing now, um, and I really look forward to that part. Coming back around to uh, something that you mentioned in the beginning, if you could say one thing to your grandchildren's generation, what would it be? Hmm. I don't know. There's a couple of things. One thing, it's not actually mine. Um, I was I was interviewing my great grand aunts and my grandmother's auntie, uh, auntie Neta, um, up home. Beautiful, beautiful wahine. And I was interviewing her, and I asked her that question. And she said, Be kind to people. Invite them into your whare and give them a kai. Simple, simple, clear words. Be kind to people. Invite them into your house and feed them some food. And um, 
that really stuck with me. That was one of those, you know, poof, oh, and hard up. Like, oh, like one thing that I that I find myself saying to to Rangatahi that I'm working with or whatever when they, you know, say like, how do you do it? Like, how, how does it all work? I just say, you just be good to people. You know, just be good to people, and you know, if you're a good person and you're and, and you contribute and you're nice to people. They'll say, "Oh, if you're going there, you should you should go and stay with this person." Like those connections will happen if you're good to people. You'll make those relationships um, that allow you to, to travel to far reaches of the earth and end up in the Amazon or in the Sahara or up in icebergs in Iceland. You know, like just be good to people. Um, so that's one. Thank you, Nani Neta. And the whole invite them into your fari and give them a kai. That's that's manaki tangata. That's that's one of our core values as Maori, and I'm not surprised, and I'm seeing it all over with all native peoples and just all people in general. It's just all people in general. Invite them into your fari and give them a kai. You know, take care of people. If people are coming to you, host them, look after them, and that goes around. Like I feel like I've got really good travelling karma because. That's what I do back home. I mean, anyone comes, you know, I look after them, I feed them, I show them around. And that's, like, directly <laughs> ended up with, you know, staying with one of one of those dudes, one of my bros in New York for 10 days and him showing me around his, you know, his part of the world. Or, you know, with the bro Anton, showed him around in, in Aotearoa with, with his crew. For, um, and we were showing them, you know, our communities and talking about our cultural and, and language revitalization and stuff like that and he said to me man when if you come to the states you gotta come to cruel fair i'll look after you you know so i was like okay i will <laughs> and i did ended up kicking with him you know like peeling tp poles building tp you know like we built like five tp for one for us and then um ended up building a whole lot of the other the family's um teepees you know putting them up for crow fair and that was phenomenal but again, you know, it just comes down to be good to people, invite them into your whare and give them a kai. And so, you know, with that, it's being open, you know, being open to people and sharing, sharing what we have. You know, like I feel like we're really fortunate, really rich in Aotearoa. We're really lucky to have our culture and our language. Like I'm, I'm really, really grateful that my parents chose to raise me with Te Reo Māori as my first language and in Te Reo Māori and, and how much that's impacted me and you know knowing who I am knowing where my place to stand is where my Tūranga Waiwai is I can now go anywhere and I can connect with any culture any people from a strong base of who I am and that's that's made all the difference and it also means I get a deeper experience when I go because I'm not just seeing things on a surface level, but I'm seeing things, ah, oh, that's how you do it and that's why you do it. And I know that because this is how we do it. This is why we do it. You know, there are different cultural practices or ways of being. Um, so yeah, being open to people, sharing what we have, sharing the richness of what we have at home and being open to, when, when I go to other people's places, I don't turn up with an agenda. <laughs> <laughs> I don't turn up saying, you know, I want to do Machu Picchu, I want to go and look at the Eiffel Tower, I want to go and do this, do that, do that. I turn up and 
you know, I'm open to whatever happens and whatever happens is the right thing to happen. And if that means having dinner with Uncle So-and-so, then I go and have dinner with Uncle So-and-so. And that turns out to be the best damn dinner ever. <laughs> and with the, the awesomest stories and those sorts of things, you know, like, so, uh, yeah, be kind to people, be open. This is, you know, this is, it's on our constant quest to be a good human. <laughs> be curious. When I left, um, at the at that party at the exhibition opening, um, my dad stood up and had a quarter He gave a gave a talk. He gave a talk about um, about the exhibition and about me going off on this trip. And one of the things he said about me was that I'm curious. And I don't just, you know, like I said before, I don't just sit and take photos of these kaimato and kui and then leave or whatever. You know, I ask questions. I I'm deeply curious. I'm curious to, you know, how people live. I'm curious to what motivates people. I'm curious to, I'm curious about the world. Um, so if I'm good to people, and I'm open, you know, then I'm gonna then I'm gonna soak up everything. And if I'm curious, ask questions, man. Ask questions. Why do things happen this way? Or and observe. <coughs> you don't always have to ask questions. Observe and really pay attention to what's going on and man we can learn so much and that's you know that, that that's so rich you know like this world's so rich and travel like i primarily my my first reason to travel was is to connect with people and culture and language uh, second to that is food uh, <laughs> i love to eat um you know and and the arts and the culture and stuff like that and then after that, and then it's like seeing all the epic landscapes and stuff that our world has to offer. But primarily for me, it's about connecting with people, people mm. to people, people to place. And that's that's kind of like how I want to live my life from now on, is finding deeper connection, people to people, people to place. This is your soapbox moment. <laughs> if this was your forum to say something and shoot it out into the farthest reaches of the earth, planet earth, you know, mm. to speak something, to speak a truth, what would it be? What would you want to say if you have anything that you'd like to speak? I think like one of the most important things for me in this life, in this world, um, is that thing of connection and connection people to people people to place like to our identity like so many of the the problems or the the, the bad stuff I see in this world is due to disconnection um, you know like so many of the problems that afflict our our peoples worldwide are due to disconnection from our culture from our language from who we are we're not grounded in who we are anymore, and so, you know, if if we if we're not feeling connection, then we, you know, look for connection in other places. If we don't feel we know who we are, then we look for identity in other places. Those sorts of things. So, having that connection to ourselves, to our people, to our place, to our language, to our culture, to who we are as as people, feels like a really important thing to me, and that's something I strive to do 
in my life. Like that's that's someone who I want to be, as someone who's connected, and who helps other people connect. Like I just got a message this afternoon. You know, thanks for thinking of us and 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 connecting us as as you travel around um, the world. And so that's who I feel like I am. I'm, and you know, part of my mission here on this earth is to connect people to each other, to you know, help help them connect to themselves and to our place. Mm. Um, so I think that's a real, that's really important to to find that connection. That's something I'm constantly striving for for myself: connection to who I am, to my roots, to um, to my place, to my community. Um, but I think it's a important thing all around. Um, as people that's that's something that's something that we need and actually there's something that's really important in this time of our lives in this time of the world like one of the real powerful things I see is as indigenous peoples as, as tangata whenua as iwi takitaki all over the world we're really connecting so so a movement a stand that's happening on Mauna Kea in Hawaii is a stand that's supported in solidarity by people in Aotearoa and Australia and First Nations across America and, you know, different places in Africa or in Europe, you know, like there's, there's people all over who are standing with, with our cousins in Hawaii. When Idle No More is happening up in, up in the States or when there's stands against coal mines or oil drilling up in the Arctic, we're all standing and we're all standing together and, um, so that's happening for two two reasons. There's the connectivity that we find through the internet, but there's also the connectivity that we have as this generation who we, we do travel and we do meet people and we, we are making these connections as indigenous peoples, as people who care about our planet and, and, and our people and our place. We're making these connections. So, you know, now we are forced to be reckoned with. <laughs> like, we are powerful and it's not a... Like we can we can get rid of chance. Like, what do we want this? When do we want it now? Now it's more like we are here. We're standing here. We're not going anywhere. And this is what's happening. Um, and we can stand there with the confidence that we're not standing alone. Like our tini, and we're standing not only as people of you know of one iwi or of one people like. We're standing as iwi takitake, as tangata whenua across the world. And that's only getting stronger. And that excites me. <laughs> that really excites me because we are getting connected. Um, more people are getting connected to our to our culture, to our roots, to who we are. So we're all standing stronger. And as we stand stronger, as we stand together, we are making impact. And we are doing things that are changing how people are on this planet in relation to our planet. Because, man, as people, we've been doing some pretty shitty stuff. For real. <laughs> you know, exploiting, <laughs> raping our Mother Earth. You know, actually raping our Mother Earth for money, you know, and, and all the corporates and all that sort of stuff. And that stuff's huge. You know, the corporations have a lot of power and a lot of control of the media, which is poisoning people's minds and all that sort of stuff. But actually, we got some solid power too. And we've got grounded connected power and once we really sort of turn that turn that switch on once we really connect with ourselves once we really connect with each other i think we're going to make some really big waves so i'm, I'm excited to see you know yeah. what happens over the next few years and over the next couple of decades because we really need to make a stand because our planet's you know at that point 
and it's not that the planet's gonna <laughs> gonna end up in trouble. It's that she's we as humans, she's Papa Tsuanaku is gonna be fine. Whatever happens, she's gonna be fine. It's all of us. <laughs> We're gonna be screwed. So, so it's, yeah, it's exciting to see that we are making a stand and we are connected, and that's massive. Te, te, 
No woman, no trap.